Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to an all-new episode of the Theater Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and this is Intimate Personal Conversations with the Industry's Biggest Names. And this episode lives up to that uh, that mantra there. Steve Haggard, who is currently Harry Potter in The Cursed Child on Broadway, gets, uh, as he puts it, he gets more personal than he actually intended to, shares his story about dealing with, um, I guess, basically the stress and the anxiety of losing your entire, your entire industry during COVID and all of that shutdown. But then, of course, we talk about some fun stuff. The show itself, uh, Cursed Child, is just phenomenal. If you haven't seen it yet, my God, like Chris Fisher, the guy who did the illusions as part of the national magicians guild and it, it it does not disappoint it's it's incredible so find me online instagram twitter facebook uh tiktok threads you know what to do you bet you're tired of hearing me say this and if you're not you must be a newbie welcome to the podcast now everybody please enjoy this episode with steve haggard this episode is brought to you by visit williamsburg in Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's guest made his Broadway debut in 2019 as part of the Year Two Company of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. He's appeared regionally at Steppenwolf Theater in Tribes, at Writers Theater in Witch, The Importance of Being Earnest, Doubt and Old Glory, and many, many others. He's appeared on television in The Chai, Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, and Prison Break, one of my absolute favorite shows, <laughs> by the way. Steve Haggard, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Dude, Prison Break. I haven't said that name in a long time. That was like one of the first shows I just binged when when everything was like coming out on DVD. Totally. That was a blast from the past. I did that show. I did. I was like, I did that show when I was, I don't know, 25 or something. Like that was a million years ago. Really? Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, you don't look older than 26 right now. Oh, so, you know, thanks. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know me? Uh, did I say the chai? I actually is that, uh, the, is that shy, right? is the, shi- like, the shy. That's what the I thought. Shy, like, like shy Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't like shows. the chi, like your energy, centering your energy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 
uh, you grew up in the Chicago area, right? Uh, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Ohio, actually, um, in Columbus, Ohio, I, which is right in the middle of Ohio, in case you didn't know. Um, but then I moved to Chicago for college. I went to DePaul, and then I just, uh, I just stuck around there for a long time because... It's a great city. It's um, it's an awesome city, and it's an awesome theater city too. Well, what got you into into like performing arts and theater in the first place? Because I think, well, I, w- I don't want to put words in your mouth. Your father is a painter, an artist. Of oh that ilk? yeah, well he is. Yeah, he's a visual artist, but he was um, he was also a um, college professor. He is a a smart cookie. He painted um. And also taught logic and uh, philosophy and um, something else. Uh, Wait, there, there are so many people that I think could benefit from learning logic. How do you teach someone to be logical? I know. Well, it's like, it's like, it's like, um, I, I don't know. He tried to teach me and I read some of the books that he, he used in his class, uh, that his class used. And I, I have to be honest it's uh, i think i am a bit thick because i it's like <laughs> it's like thought equations you know you're like if this then that and also and you know you're sort of like you know he, I, I, the man could do sudoku in his sleep he loves the heart of sudoku he loves that stuff logic puzzles anything to do with sort of like uh, a set of givens and figuring out what the what the solution is he, and I was a, you know, I painted and drew for a long time. Uh, and it's something that has always been a passion of mine, but he was my inspiration for that. But yeah, I, uh, my, m- m- I grew up in Columbus and I went to a, an all boys Catholic prep school because the university that my dad worked at was like a sister school. And so we got, we got a discount. Uh, hey, no, no the, shame in that game. Hey, no shame. <laughs> That's like, what my parents, side note, my, I grew up in North Carolina, right? My parents, I was like, I want to go to Columbia. And they're like, no, we uh, moved to North Carolina so we could be residents and you can use in-state tuition at all the universities. You're not leaving the state. I was like, fine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my parents knew what they were doing. So I went to this prep school, which was like intense. It was intense. But then they also had a theater uh, they had a theater, like a like a separate theater, and then they did productions. This guy, Doug Montgomery, he's still there doing uh, three shows a year, which is kind of incredible, and uh, teaching English. He sort of is did it all. He put up these uh, three shows a year with um, us kids, and and that's kind of how I got into it. I I got cut. Let, let's be really honest. I got cut from the baseball team. My <laughs> <laughs> freshman what year. What position? What position did you play? <laughs> well, at that point, I mean, I in, for me I, in my head, I was a shortstop, but for the team, I was a designated runner because I was about four, <laughs> I, I was about four feet high. <laughs> I was about four feet tall, and I was really fast. And, you know, in high school, the the weird thing is, like, you play Little League, and, you know, kids are pitching, like, 60, maybe 70 tops. And then you get into high school, and they're, like, 80, 90-mile-an-hour fastballs. And I was too small. I couldn't hit it. I could make contact, but it wouldn't go anywhere because I just I didn't have the, the strength. <laughs> so um, the coach was like, 
hey man we need to talk and he was like uh you can either like sit the bench you can like lift weights for a couple years and then like maybe we'll put you in like jv maybe you know something or you can just like walk away and i was like man my i, I was like this is a huge thing for me because like baseball was my life when i was a kid so like i was like i don't i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna sit on the bench come on <laughs> uh and i was like i didn't i i don't know my my relationship with it had changed and it had become something that was stressful and not super fun and it had always yeah. been fun in my life and so this sort of was like the sign that i was like okay you know what i don't think this is i don't think this is my path and so i sat around for a summer and my mom was like, you got to do something. So I joined stage crew for the high school. And then like, it was just kind of like where I was supposed to be. I met some wonderful friends and like, I did, man, this is embarrassing. I used to do these impressions, right? Of, of people like, <laughs> you know, celebrities. Cause like, I thought I wanted to be like Dana Carvey or something, <laughs> uh, which is hilarious to say out loud. I don't know that I've ever said that out loud, but it's true. And so I used like to you, do these who was your Who's your best one? I'm not doing an imitation. Oh, come on. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> give me one. No, I, no, it's like playing the guitar. If you stop doing it, you just lose it. You, uh, you lose it. I, I what about I uh, Daniel Radcliffe? You, gotta get, <laughs> you know, I should work on that. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so I would do these, uh, whatever, imitations. And then my friends in the theater, you know, the theater kids, they sort of like surrounded me one day and they wouldn't let me leave because they wanted me to show the director my imitations and they kind of forced me to have a little show for him in the theater. And then he cast me in the next play. And then it just kind of like, it was super fun. And something I really love to do. And um, and then I thought, well, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I might as well go to theater school. <laughs> so I went to DePaul. Oh, that's it. That's so cool. that Like, it just randomly kind of took you in that direction. And I, I talk about this a lot in that uh, something that's perceived as a failure or, or a, a shortfall or something at the time leads to um something else that you wouldn't have otherwise had had you gotten what you thought you wanted or what you initially wanted at the first time right so if you had been on the baseball team and your coach hadn't had the foresight to cut you you could have just kind of been there and been sort of miserable and now you yeah. could be like who knows you'd be an accountant in you know supplementing your, your, totally. your income or in the minor league somewhere who knows totally i um, think about this all the time i think about it all the time because there's something, the universe is funny like that. Like it gives you opportunities all the time. And what yeah. you think, you can't always see, you know, it, it. the thing that hurts right now might be the absolute best thing for you. Well, so I guess opportunity wise then, were you, you were working, I mean, you worked a lot out of Chicago in that area. And then, um, so coming into Harry Potter now, was uh did you move to new york and were kind of doing the new york scene for a while and then made your debut or did you get the audition and come to new york to make your debut uh yeah good question i so i was in chicago and like i said i love it it's such a good theater town you can work there you can do all kinds of work um 
you can do Shakespeare. You can do you. Uh, what, what do you feel like doing? There's weird stuff happening. There's classical stuff. There's uh, the whole spectrum, and so it's a great place to um, get experience. It's a great place to uh, do the art, do the work uh, in a way that you can't always do when there's pressure and money and you know um, all that other stuff involved. And the thing is, like in Chicago, there's just not very much money. So, you know, you, you I well, not did... a lot in New York either, but you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the artist's life. Right. But like, I guess what I mean is like the payoff, if you get something in New York, it tends to be a little different than right. the payoff that you would get. Cause like, and not that you always need to get something from creating art, not that you always need to, ha you know, I reached a point in Chicago where I was like, oh man, this has been my home for such a long time. And I never thought to leave because... I loved it. I loved the work. I loved the 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 people I was working with. I loved what we were able to accomplish and um, the artistry. And I reached a point where I th I was like, oh, and I I want uh, something else. I want something else. This is a little off topic, I think, from your question, but like, I guess when I looked at my life, if, like maybe six years ago, I was like, I'm not happy. I'm not happy in my life. And I had to figure out like what what that was about, <laughs> you know. It was about um, mid twenty seventeen. Yeah. I was not keeping score at home. Yeah, yeah totally. So I I like I figured, figured everyone's everyone in Chicago was like, wait a second. Um, but I had <laughs> I I guess I realized like I, I had some stuff that I I wanted to change because my life sort of no longer looked. I I I had crafted a life that didn't have, that was really safe, that didn't challenge me, that didn't push me out of my comfort zone. And so I, I stopped learning, I stopped learning about myself, I stopped being curious about, you know, myself and, uh, and also like the, the world. The, and I was pretty depressed and I was like, man, I need to figure this out. And so this, audition came up this harry potter audition came up and i was like that's crazy what a crazy I, what that's crazy i can't believe i can't believe that and i read through it and i was like this is awesome totally gonna do it you know thinking it's a long shot and then they were like hey yeah come come be in harry potter and i was um cast in the ensemble and so i moved to new york and new york has a funny way of like like if you've got stuff you need to resolve in yourself, New York will find a way to sort of bring that out and like be like, "Hey, here's your stuff. You haven't, you haven't, you haven't resolved that um, because <laughs> yeah. there's so much happening here. There's so much. Um, there's not enough space. There's not enough time. There's not enough anything. So if you've got some unexamined stuff, New York is going to bring it out." And so it, it was a blessing in a lot of ways. And this job, this this job was a blessing. That was a little off topic. <laughs> no, no, it was actually perfect. Uh, and I, again, it, it's one of those things that hit you exactly when you needed to be hit by something to, to change your life, right? Yeah. And, and it's, it's odd to me. I want to ask about, you were in Chicago. And it, so it was the original cast you joined the ensemble, or was it a replacement? I mean, e either way, I guess I guess irrelevant. Oh, but... in uh, the Cursed Child. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a part of the second year. So the first year yeah, sorry, right. uh, and then the second year with the first time they did a, a recast. Right. So I guess then I, I just was curious as to why they went to Chicago to find actors because I, I I know a lot about the musical theater world much more than the straight play world yeah. and and after watching Cursed Child it's um it's it it's a it's presented like a movie is it's got a score it's got a it's got an underscore you know yeah. the whole time like everything scene transitions have music and scenes whole scenes have music sometimes and it's yeah. like you're watching a movie which of course is by design but um when you're doing you know the the global search for the lead of the whiz or whatever the case is. It's a very specific thing that you have to go wide for. Um, is it you, is it normal to cast such a wide net, um, when looking for uh, replacements for a straight play like this? Um, I think maybe, uh, maybe for Broadway and they, they went to Chicago, they went everywhere. They, I think they held auditions that, that first year they did the recast, their first recast, they held auditions in LA. They were in Chicago. Uh, I think maybe Atlanta or someplace else. They they because and the reason I think why this is just me speculating, FYI. But the show it's such a sp specific ask uh, of uh, of an actor because it is such a specific play. The language of the show is uh, is. Uh, like like you said there's a score underneath it it's big there's a it's a spectacle in a lot of ways and then also it needs to be grounded in a humanity and the actors need to be able to fill that the expectation that the audience comes in with with these relationships that they already have with these characters so they they, they need to fill a certain amount of that but they also need to be able to ground um the world and the reality and i think that was really uh as i see the people that come into the show they they all tend to have that in common they tend to be able to bring a relatable uh humanity to the work and i think that that essentially is you know that's that's what we're going for over there which is like we you know it's it's a mat it's a it's magic and explosions and it's all these illusions and then also, it's a story about family and friends who are going through some stuff. That's the goal. And I think that's why they they wanted to find the right people to step into it. That's really interesting. And it, it, I just drew a parallel between this and Back to the Future, actually, which ironically, Chris Fisher, who did the some of the illusions for oh, Chris yeah, Child, totally. also did illusions for Back to the Future. But He's awesome. uh, something, I just saw Back to the Future recently and and was dissecting that and it's a it's a story about family at the heart of it which harry potter cursed child also is so aspiring writers out there take note <laughs> that you can disguise anything you want in sci-fi to make it a good make it a good family story on the inside but it's really yeah it's interesting that, that you say that i guess there is very much uh, there's a lot of specificity to to the actors and, and i mean not only do you need to look the part more or less, right? Like the Weasleys have to have, have red hair and like Harry Potter's sure. got to have a certain build. And I just love, I love how it was all put together and we'll get to the illusions. And I know you're going to tell us all the secrets because <laughs> you can, uh, as a child then, uh, I mean, these stories have been around 
as long as like I'm 43 right now and, and these stories have been around since I was uh, a prop got late early 20s or something or something yeah. it's been around for a while Sounds and right. so so now cursed child this is being billed as sort of like the eighth book so it was Jack Thorne and John Tiffany wrote it and then JK Rowling also did uh, um, some of it uh, bits and pieces of it so it is a continuation of the story. It is a continuation of the the books. And and I guess this is the funky thing about being like, you know, going back to a little bit what we were talking about before, this is the funky thing about doing a show that like, like Back to the Future, like Harry Potter, where people are, they're walking in with relationships to these characters and expectations mm -hmm. and this feeling that they had when they watched that first movie or they read that first book i don't know how you get around that judgment you can't right because people are coming in with a certain amount of expectation and they're mm -hmm. going to sit back and go well that's not my this isn't whatever da, da, da. and so i think our job is to say hey we know you got expectations we know you come we know and we're going to like respect those expectations and take them in and then also challenge them a little bit and say and flip it uh, flip it a little bit so that you can have that same feeling that you had when you read that book for the first time because that's the what those books do really well that's what that's what back to the future does really well the movies which is like it takes it's like hey here it is here's what you know and then it sort of flips it you know and it and it surprises you and it creates a curiosity and you to to go along for the ride. So in the first bit of the show, I, you know, um, you have to sort of like, you have to say, hey, this is this is a continuation, and it's also a new thing. And and I think um, if we're a, if we're good at our jobs that evening, if we're good at <laughs> if we're good at our jobs, it really it it really works. The way the story structured, the way it's written, the you end up going on this journey with us and learning something new about the characters, which is, I think, like, it's not just you, us telling you over and over again the same things you already know. You know what I mean? Like, which sometimes is comforting and also like, okay, well, why did I go see that, you know? So Absolutely. We're, we're giving you the opportunity to step into the same world through a different lens. Yes, yes, that's what I, that, that's what I was going to say now that you pointed that out. It's, it makes perfect sense. Hang on, everybody. We're just going to take a quick break. All right, now we're back. We're establishing the world we're in. We're, we're going into Hogwarts. We've got the, the characters that we always know we've got. We've got Hermione, Ron, and Harry. But then, so we're establishing that, but then introducing the new thing of the children now, like your your son and uh, Draco's son are now, you know, become best friends. We, it keeps it keeps this healthy, amazing balance between, uh, you're right, between the, the nostalgia that we all, that uh, so many of us who go to see it have grown up with and introducing this brand new story and modernizing, bringing like modern themes into, in, into what we're watching while... In real life, live on stage, seeing these illusions, some of which I still don't know how you've done. So, 
Uh, I think it's it's absolutely amazing. But uh, I, I want to go to the length, too, because you started in 2019 when it was still two parts. It was two distinct shows. So you do like a full day, you know, part one and part two and the matinee and then matinee and then the evening. Um, right. So then coming into that, had you ever done anything that intense before? Because that's learning two shows at once. Yeah, Alan. No, there. I don't know that there was any. I don't. Yeah, and now even in the one part, uh, sometimes. Uh, yeah, no, it was entirely overwhelming. I, I've I've not been a in a part of a production that big, but also like, you know, you, you're stepping into uh, just, you know, this huge ideas. These huge. The characters are huge. I mean, like, I, the idea of being Harry Potter is overwhelming, you know? The idea of, like, oh, yes, and now I'm walking. Like, what are your given circumstances? My given circumstances are I am going to Hogwarts now to talk to Professor McGonagall. That's wild, you know? So, like, and not to mention just the sheer scope of uh, of the production. Um, and the, the theater, I remember the first time I walked into the theater, it's incredible. They completely redid the whole thing, but you feel mm -hmm. like you're stepping into the world. You feel like you're stepping into uh, Hogwarts in a, to a certain extent because, like, just everything is curated to to sort of feel a, a part of that world. Um, and so that I've been like the 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 set change in the lobby during intermission now, but I won't <laughs> I won't spoil that. But that was yeah. that was cool. All right, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. But yeah, no, I'd never been a, a part of a production uh, quite this size uh, with this many uh, working parts and and people. I mean, there's a, there are is in that building there is the best group of people and the hardest working group of people um, because you know you do the show eight eight times a week. We're there quite a bit um, uh, with each other, and so it takes a it takes a good group of people to sort of um, uh, keep things fun and keep it um, going in the right direction. I was going to ask if you had a favorite part, but I, now we'll, we'll caveat this yeah. because, of course, there was a pandemic when it came back. Uh, it was combined down to just one show. So right. a bunch of stuff must have gotten cut. I, I, do you have a favorite scene or a part that, that you no longer get to do because of the time shrink? Ooh, interesting. Good question. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a few things. I, the funny thing about, the funny thing about it now is that I don't recall a lot of stuff because I've really? had to sort of lose my attachment to it in order to do the, the one part in order to get through, you know, um, so a lot of it is either has turned into subtext or it has, ha I've had to sort of, um, Put it in put it in the safe for a different time oh there was a dream sequence i wasn't even a part of it and it was awesome i i loved it um uh there was a dream sequence that happened that used to scare the crap out of me and i was well, i would watch it every night because it was so much fun because i had, I had <laughs> don't you, I had don't a, you love being scared I, yeah but scared I had a, safely yeah i had a transition after that so i was like i was always like prepped ready to go for my transition and i would watch it it was a hairy nightmare and harry was having a nightmare um and he was a kid 
and he was in the cemetery with Aunt Petunia. And Aunt Petunia was going off about something. And the all of a sudden there's like this rumble. There's like a, and this uh hand shoots out of the grave that they're that they're at, and it's Voldemort's hand. And it it was like the audience would go <laughs> it was the it was the absolute best it was such a well um well crafted uh scare moment which i just i think on stage sometimes is difficult to do um but that it was like so perfect it was like a perfect little moment and i loved the fact that you got to see aunt petunia but there there's so much stuff and i you know sometimes when you're in it you forget you forget what it looks like. You forget w just how striking some of that stuff is. Yeah. And you hear the audience reaction, you hear the kids. You, <laughs> I had, the, uh, this is maybe one of my fa favorite parts about being Harry Potter in this show is like, I had a friend, a dear friend of mine came with her nieces and nephew and they, they came to see the show and, uh, she was like, can you come and say hi afterwards? I was like, yeah, totally. And I went outside and the kids were dressed in their Hogwarts getup and their, you know, Gryffindor robes and stuff. And we were talking about that. And uh, I said, well, what'd you think? You know, what'd you think? What'd you think of the show? And they said, well, we've got a lot of questions. And I was like, <laughs> I was like sweet, bring it on. Here we go. And, and to to hear to get to talk to kids about like what their joy is around those uh, stuff the illusions the the relationships they wanted to talk about snape they wanted to talk about how we did you know this or that and they and they wanted to talk about the wands and like there's a million questions about like particulars around, you know, what, what this is and what this means and why we did this and watching that sort of, um, reaction and that sort of like processing of, uh, of the play is like, that's where I'm like, cool. This is such a good job. This is so, such a fun job to be able well, to tell do. Because, reality to them. Yeah. And yeah. That's what, when you re get sucked into this world through the books, through the movies, through this play, it's like, that's, that's, you know, that's the feeling that I, I had, which is like, oh my God, I can't wait till the next book. Like, I want to see what, I, I want to see more of Hogwarts. I want to see more of this. I want to, what is that, you know? And that, that makes me really, <laughs> that makes me really happy. Something else, uh, I, I, switching gears for a second, um, something I wanted to touch on during i think it was mid 2020 you did a motorcycle trip from washington state to new york city is oh, that yeah. right Where, yeah would you see that what was the... <laughs> my cyber stocking you know <laughs> yeah so i i have a motorcycle and i love to ride that motorcycle and it has taken me all over the place it's taken me across the country um i drove out here from washington state so i spent a lot of the shutdown uh, during the pandemic in Washington State on the Olympic Peninsula, hmm. because you know that that was that was um, that was a really hard time for yeah. a lot of different reasons. And my sister lives out there, and 
I had gone through a um, pretty bad breakup and uh, and lost my job because uh, we were doing Harry Potter and we shut down and and I was like, well, I'm gonna go to Washington State and I was out there with my sister and I bought a motorcycle during that time and proceeded to ride it all through Oregon and California and uh, Nevada. I got stuck in the Mojave Desert um, and like went to see some beautiful, beautiful places. And honestly, it was that it was me courting a bit of hardship in order to sort of like figure out um, to have a more authentic relationship with myself, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so when I was a really, when I was a kid, I was like three, I had this plastic motorcycle and it, it, it was, and I would ride it everywhere. And it was just like, you know, you foot powered and you zoom down the street and I fell in love with it. And ever since then, I've always wanted a motorcycle. I've always like dreamed about scooters and motorcycles and, and I, I and I, during that time, I was like, what have I been waiting for? There's always people telling me, oh, it's too dangerous, don't, don't do this, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I was like, I'm doing it. So <laughs> I, did, I got it and I, I, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to have the time and the space to do that. And then when Harry Potter came back, I was like, oh, maybe I'll ship it. Maybe I'll ship it across the country because um, I wasn't about to leave it. Then I was like, I don't want somebody else touching it. I'm just going to ride it. So it took me like uh, 14 days. It took me two weeks. I got stuck in Montana and a rainstorm that lasted like three days. That was yeah. intense. I stayed in this really like sketchy motel in this small town in Montana. I'm like for three days. And I, I remember I walked into the, the reception area and this lady was like eating a sandwich and she, and I was drenched, I was soaking. And like, there was like water puddles. I was like squishing as I walked because <laughs> I was just soaked. And I covered, you know, in my full motorcycle gear and she just like stops eating. She like puts her sandwich down and goes, uh, can I help you? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I need a room. And yeah, it was like, uh, there was something about like I said, that sort of um, putting a ridiculous goal in front of yourself or like a something that's a bit absurd um, that sounds exciting and also like probably will come with some problems. Like, you know, your tire blows out or you get stuck in the rain or whatever. And um, for me, that's what this whole experience has been like in New York working on it's like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe, like what an experience this is. That's, I think, how I want to approach my work. That's how I want to approach my life. That's how I want to approach, you know, not to sound too whatever about it, but that's how I want to approach every day, which is like, what's going to happen today? And like, maybe it's going to be <laughs> ridiculous and maybe it's going to be super fun and like, let's find out. But I think during that time, I needed that sort of an event to sort of feel 
some stuff. It's learning new skills. I mean, if you want to use the yeah. analogy of, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. You might blow out a tire, right? So it was on your Instagram account. You posted a picture of like your oh. bike saying it's about to go across country, right? <laughs> and so I, in the picture, you've got an extra tire strapped underneath totally. all your supplies in case totally. your tire blows out. And, and I needed it too, which is good. You, yeah. I, yeah. And, uh, and I think, you know, the, the pandemic and, and, um, other things, right? You could use the analogy of the pandemic. Not only did your back tire blow, but your front tire blew. You cracked the radiator <laughs> and you threw a piston, right? The right. whole industry was shut down. Yeah. And then you learn how to fix it and you become your own life mechanic. Horrible analogy. Right. But now you can fix, you learn the skills to fix more as you're moving faster. And it, you know, if you don't challenge yourself, you're never going to grow. So I respect that right. so much. Oh, thanks. Yeah. 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 Hang on, everybody. We're just going to take a quick break. All right, now we're back. And as someone who's also owned three motorcycles myself, hey. I do uh, I do appreciate the ride. There is oh, nice. something about just what? the open road, man. It's the best. I mean, it's the best. And it's it is totally dangerous and every time my mom, every time my mom, every time I go, my mom is like, "You better text me. You better yep. text me." And I do, but it's like sometimes, sometimes mom, sometimes I don't. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to wrap up with three closing questions. I ask everybody on the episodes. The first one, just real simply, is what motivates you? Oh, wow. That's a really great question. I, 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 something I think about a lot. So I feel like what motivates me is living as much as I can for living as authentically as I can right now, you know? Um, I spent so much time in my life, I think, stuck in my head dealing with like, you know, uh, worries and anxiety and always worried about something else. And I think missed a lot of, uh, opportunities and missed a lot of opportunities for joy, opportunities to enjoy what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And so I think what motivates me is this this like better version of me not in like a judgy way but like that guy is in me and i'm going to be that guy someday you know and mm -hmm. um i want that to be a reality and that starts right now you know mm. i love that all right <laughs> what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path um Cultivate self-compassion. Self-compassion. It, it is the strongest, most powerful thing uh, that I think uh, we never, that isn't taught. It, it's not something that's taught or talked about a lot. It's absolutely free, and it's one of the hardest things to figure out for yourself. But self-compassion is the best. And... Hmm. It allows you um, to have compassion for everything and everyone else. And in that way, making that space for yourself to be who you are actually as a human, full of mistakes and problems and anxieties and all these things, allows that to then, allows you to move past that, you know? I do know. I got I a little, I mean, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little, uh, 
mystic on you. <laughs> no, no, man. I, as someone who's, I've done my own therapy journey. I've done my own self-discovery yeah, totally. and, and you're speaking, you're speaking my language perfectly. So but yeah. that for me, I wish somebody had talked to me about that. that it's so hard. I struggle with that so much in my yeah. life. Like the, I built criticisms in my head. I built whole thing just in my head that were just mm -hmm. made up stuff mm -hmm. Absolutely. that like I was walking around making life choices about that had not uh, didn't have anything to do with what was actually happening it was just the reality you I, craft you know it was yeah. insane uh, and like uh, you know uh, and that's sort of and it all sort of stemmed from me not being able to be like hey man it's okay it's okay that that happened and you're still you know i love you you're doing all right yeah learn to forgive yourself that's the hardest thing i had to deal with I mean, and then what's anything specific? I feel you though. It's just like the criticism. You're like, maybe I'm just not good enough, so I won't even try. And then you totally. end up. It's it's this circular thing that you can't get out of without help. <laughs> I, yeah, it's yeah. nasty. Oh man, that's a whole other episode. Okay, so last <laughs> Thanks question. Thanks for then. letting me talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> last question. This one's a lot more fun. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? One show. Oh boy. Like play? Are we talking about plays? Any any stage show? We'll, we'll classify stage show. Like a specific production, or like I could see this play in different productions. Uh specific production. Okay. I would watch this production of the Seagull that I saw in uh, this small theater in Wisconsin. It was beautiful. But yeah, the Seagull. <laughs> thanks <laughs> i feel like i feel like you're asking me questions that uh, require concise answers and i'm i'm not giving them to you <laughs> no it's it's funny some people are like boom this is it and some people take like a whole yeah. other hour to think through their thought it's fine there's is, no there's no right or wrong this is it's my favorite you. thing the, my favorite thing about it about plays though in theater you know is that like it ha it happens in that moment you yeah. know what I mean? Like it, it, and there's something about it, the nature of it, that like, it it should feel like it's never gonna get to be done. Like it won't ever happen again. Like this is the only moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That That's why I like previews. Exists be because because you're still crafting and you're crafting, and then like yeah. after you open, script is locked, right? But previews, there may legitimately be a version that you, the audience, sees that literally will never happen again. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah I never I thought about it. that. Let's yeah, go. it's great. It's great. Um, okay, so where do you play the social media game? How can we find you online? Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm not very good at Instagram. Join the I crowd. I tell you that, but like, <laughs> I I'm on there noodling around. <laughs> All right, you can find <laughs> you can find me at thetheaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at theater underscore podcast on Facebook. Uh, leave a rating and a review wherever you are listening to this episode right now. Thanks to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. Music? Intro and outro music. <laughs> and Steve, thanks, man. Uh, gosh, thank you for sharing. Thank you for getting personal. This, is, this has been great. I really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to me. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Make the world a little colorful. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.